A reading from Acts, chapter 11, starting at verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. When Barnabas went then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they met with the Lord and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the story of the early church. And we thank you that we are a part of that story. We ask that you would guide us as we reflect upon your word and that you would speak clearly to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When you meet someone, how do you identify yourself? Now, one way that people might identify themselves is by giving their name and then a brief information about what they are about. So, for example, I might say, hello, I am Steve and I am a pastor. And that's one way to do it. Uh, you might use your profession, your occupation. Uh, you also may be uh, sharing a hobby. You might be saying, well, I am uh, a outdoors person or something like that. Uh, it could be that you share your nationality or some other part of who you are. So it's your name and something like that. Uh, another way of doing that is by sharing your religious identity. That's another way for you to identify. I remember uh, quite a few years ago, I was at an event at a church and they had the two uh, well-known Christian speakers, John Gladstone and John Stott, that were there. And when uh, John Gladstone was introducing John Stott, he made sure to clarify that uh, uh, John Gladstone was John the Baptist and John Stott was John the Anglican. And uh, that's how they were identified. I've heard stories about uh, Northern Ireland during the Troubles when they would have the... Um, the roadblocks and they would stop people in their cars and say, what religion are you? And if the person said atheist, they would say, well, are you a Protestant atheist or are you a Catholic atheist? Uh, these labels get used all the time. Uh, when you have to put down your religion, what is it you put down? I remember uh, uh, quite a long time ago, 
uh, I was asked that for some form, and I put down that I was a lapsed atheist. That is, I was once an atheist, but I'm not a very good atheist anymore because of that whole belief in God and that uh, Christianity doesn't make me a very good atheist anymore, but that's what I put, a lapsed atheist. You might identify primarily as your denomination, so that may be Baptist. When people ask you what religion you are, you may say Baptist. Or you may say that you are a Christian, because whether you are a Baptist or an Anglican or a Pentecostal, these are all Christian denominations. And so for many people, that is their preferred way of identifying themselves. What many people do not realize is that that name, Christian, doesn't go all the way back to the beginning of the church. In fact, it's first introduced here in this passage in Acts chapter 11. Uh, before this, Christianity would have been known primarily as the way, which I actually kind of like. I think that's a, a pretty neat way of looking at it. Sorry, that's a, a pun that was not intended. It's a neat way to look at Christianity as the way. But anyways, the Christians were usually referred to as disciples or brothers and sisters. Uh, those are the ways that the Christians would refer to themselves. But we have it being introduced in this story. So we're just going to give a, a little bit of a description of what is going on here. This passage calls us back to the time when Stephen was martyred. And what we saw back then is that the disciples were scattered from Jerusalem. The uh, apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but many of the Jesus followers in Jerusalem left, and they scattered, and they moved around to different places and began to share the gospel with those that they met. And in the beginning, they were sharing primarily with Jews. But we're told here that there were some disciples that went to Antioch. Now, Antioch was in ancient Syria, which would be a, a part of modern Turkey now. And it was actually the, the third largest city in the Roman Empire. Right after Rome and Alexandria, uh, we would have Antioch. So in Canadian terms, uh, an Antioch would be a city kind of like Vancouver. Uh, that gives you some idea of how metropolitan this city was. And these disciples of Jesus began to share the gospel, and they shared it with Greeks who were there. And these uh, non-Jews began to believe the gospel and to become followers of Jesus. And word got back to the Jerusalem church, just as we've been seeing throughout Acts, the Jerusalem church needs to keep an eye on how things are going. They need to keep updated as to what is happening. And so they hear about all of these non-Jews who are coming to faith in Antioch. So they want to check things out. So they send Barnabas, who we have met before. Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement. And he was one of the most respected leaders in the early church. And so they sent Barnabas there, and he very quickly saw that something really special was happening in Antioch, just the way the faith was spreading among these non-Jews. And so realizing that this was something bigger than himself, he reached out to that person that he had advocated before, 
that of Saul of Tarsus. And Saul actually was in Tarsus at this time, which also is a city in Turkey and uh, is not that far away from Antioch. And so he sent for Saul and Saul came there and they stayed there and they began to disciple the people and to share uh, the gospel and to train up leaders. And it was in that setting that people outside of the church began to refer to these people as Christians. And that would be like uh, Christ people is kind of the idea that is being used there. And it's interesting because we proudly use the term Christian, and yet it probably was a bit more of an insult. So uh, something very similar in relatively recent history would be the Jesus People movement of the 1960s and the 1970s, uh, when you'd refer to someone as uh, Jesus People. Uh, that wasn't always meant as a, a compliment, uh, even though we should all want to be Jesus people, but uh, it was meant to refer to these people who were a little bit off, a little bit outside of the mainstream in the way they did things. They certainly didn't dress the way people in church were expected to dress. Uh, sometimes they were actually called Jesus freaks just to uh, hammer down uh, how they were looked at by those uh, either outside or inside the church. And so that's how uh, Jesus people were referred to. Well, these uh, followers of Jesus in Antioch were Christ people, Christians, and they were labeled that way. And eventually what started out as an insult actually became a uh, proud label uh, that people are quite happy to hold on to the label of Christian, including myself. I think that that's a great way to refer to ourselves. So that's great. We are Christians. That goes back to this event in Antioch. But when we identify as a Christian, what do we even mean? What is a Christian? Does it mean you hold a membership in a church that belongs to a denomination that identifies as Christian? Is that what a Christian is? Or is there more to it? Well, the people who were first using that label meant that these people were trying to follow their Christ. That's how they understood it. And even if they meant it as an insult, that's a pretty accurate way to look at things. Christians are those who are trying to follow Christ. And so what I want to talk about with you today is how we can be like Christ specifically in relationships, that we follow the same relationships that Jesus had. And that's how we can be recognized as Christians. So that's what we're going to take a look at. So when it comes to Jesus, his primary relationship was that of his relationship with the Father. Now, of course, the, uh, the early disciples, they would not have understood anything about uh, our concept of the Trinity, that there's one God uh, with three persons. Uh, they wouldn't have fully understood that. Uh, but they definitely recognized that there was something special going on between Jesus and the Father. There was a strong relationship. And Jesus certainly was not so spiritual that he neglected prayer. He actually prayed all the time. He would go off by himself to spend quality time with his Father. That was something that was very important. We see that kind of thing happening as there are uh, new stages of ministry for Jesus, he goes off and he spends that time with the Father. And 
for us as Christians, we need to follow in the footsteps of Christ, and that is have a strong relationship with God. Uh, the Christian church is not just a social organization, nor is it just a charity. Uh, the Christian church is a church that is in relationship with God. We not only believe that God exists, but we seek to have a relationship with God. We seek to develop that relationship with God, not out of fear that if we're not working hard enough on our relationship, God's going to punish us, but rather we value that relationship. And so we want to invest in it through prayer and through worship and through Bible reading and through uh, different spiritual disciplines. Those are things that are important to us. The relationship with the Father was important to Jesus, and it needs to be important to us as well. The next relationship that we see being very important for Jesus is that of his community. He was a person who lived in community. And so when we think of the community of Jesus, we automatically think of the 12. And some people think that there was only 12 disciples, and that's not the case at all. There were many disciples. In fact, there was at least enough that Jesus could send out 70 disciples at one time to go out and preach. And I don't think that that was all of his group of disciples. So there was a large group of disciples. It was both men and women. It was people who had sold everything and followed Jesus. And it was those who uh, continued to live in their own homes and would support the ministry of Jesus through the means that they had. Uh, there was a wide variety of people who were disciples of Jesus. Having said that, Jesus did invest in those people, and he invested at different levels. And so there would have been that very large group. There was the 70 that he sent out. There was the 12 that he called to especially pour his life into. And even within the 12, there were three, Peter, John, and James who Jesus really spent a lot of time. So he spent time in community. Uh, if we want to be Christians, we need to follow in the footsteps of Christ, and we need to invest in community, our immediate community of faith. And sometimes I have uh, gotten some pushback there that, no, uh, the church actually needs to be completely outreach-focused, that our goal is to uh, limit what we do for ourselves in, in terms of our own community and put everything towards the outside. And I appreciate the heart of that, but as I've studied the New Testament, I've seen over and over again that the emphasis is on how the Christians took care of themselves. It's not that they ignored the needs outside, and we're going to get to that. But they made sure that, first of all, that we were taking care of each other, that we were there for each other. In fact, that was one of the means of evangelism for the early church, that outsiders would look to this group of followers of Jesus and they would see how they were caring for each other and how they were loving each other, how they were celebrating together and grieving together and they were doing all of these things. And people on the outside longed for that kind of community. And so they would join the church to experience that community. And so it's important for us as a church to make sure that we are taking care of each other. And, and COVID-19 has given us a great opportunity for us to do that, to reach out to one another and to look at the needs that are there and to do what we can 
to make a difference. And so that relationship within community is extremely important. But having said that, there might be some of you who are thinking, oh, I don't know, that just doesn't sit well with me. We've got to get out of our Christian bubble. That's what we need to do. Well, I, I agree. We need to get out of our Christian bubble because Jesus, as much as he valued that community, that he valued that group of disciples who would spend time with him, he also valued people who were outside of that immediate community of faith, uh, that he had a, a posture of openness and of welcoming. And we see, in fact, that he gets into a lot of trouble because he is spending too much time with the wrong kind of people. And it's not that he's going to these wrong kind of people and coming down upon them and giving them a hard time and condemning them. In fact, what we see is that Jesus responds to the people who are on the outside with compassion rather than judgment. And you might say, well, no, actually, Jesus, he does come out with some judgment. And you're, you're absolutely right. Jesus does come out with some judgment. But what he, who he judges are the religious people who are condemning him for treating people with too much compassion. Uh, that's where the judgment comes. It, he's not there to judge the people that other people labeled as sinners and who thought were worthless. Uh, Jesus spent time with them, cared for them, and loved them. And if we want to be Christians, we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We need to be in relationship with people outside of our community. And we have looked at uh, recently how we live in a post-Christian world, and that means we have a lot of opportunities to step outside of our Christian bubble. Our Christian bubble has actually gotten quite small. And so there are many non-Christians around us. The question is, what is the posture that we are going to take as we relate to people who are on the outside of the community of faith? Uh, do we uh, shake our head and wag our finger at them thinking, oh boy, those people are just terrible. They're just... Oh, so unholy. Uh, is that how we do it? Or do we ignore the people? Or perhaps we get angry with them and loudly condemn them because uh, we are just so offended at how uh, different people are outside of our community of faith. Or do we take the same posture as Jesus, a posture of compassion and of love? Uh, that's what Jesus did. And if we want to be Christians, we need to be Christ-like. We need to look at the Gospels and see how Jesus was with such people. And we need to go and do the same thing. Are you a Christian? Do you identify as a Christian? What does that mean to you? Does that mean that that is just the tradition that you have grown up in? Or is there more to it? Are you literally seeking to be Christ-like? Now, I'm not saying that any of us have reached that, that place where we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I am, I'm pretty strong when it comes to being like Christ. There's not too many people who are as Christ-like as me. No. In fact, if, if you're at that place, you're probably pretty far from Christ. But are you seeking, do you long to be more like Christ? Are you seeking to be like Christ in relationships, in your relationship with God, in your relationship within the community of faith, in your relationship with those outside 
of the community of faith. That is what Christ focused on, and we need to do the same thing. I remember being challenged many years ago with the question, if it was illegal to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is there enough evidence in your life that people would be able to recognize that you are a Christian? I hope there is. I hope that that evidence is your relationships, your relationships with God and your relationships with people. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story, this origin of the word Christian. Uh, it's the origin of that label, but it's not the origin of the concept that Jesus was living this life well before this, that he was modeling for us the life that we are to live. Help us to have strong relationships with you, strong relationships within the church, strong relationships outside the church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.